all you have. You are now tuned in to Hawkins Rays. We just sat back and ready to play. Let me take your thoughts far, far away. Now let's hear what Darnetta has to say. We would be honored if you would join us. What's up, Star Wars family? How's everyone doing today? Hope everybody's doing good. I wanted to start off today's show a little bit different. I wanted to start off with some words of wisdom, something to inspire you. You know, my way of giving back to you for, you know, you spending your time for listening to the show. Just my way of giving back. And the first quote is from Jim Rohan. If you are not willing to risk the usual you, then you have to settle for the ordinary you. So basically, you have to step outside your comfort zone if you want to, you know, excel in anything. And with that being said, because this podcast is based on books, it's based on audiobooks and the regular books of Star Wars. So I want to encourage everybody to read some of those Star Wars books or listen to them. Remember, reading is fundamental. That is fun to mental. It's fun and it will help your mental. Even if you read a page a day, it will help your brain stay active and keep your mental sharp. So I encourage everybody to read something every day. Or at least get a couple of audiobooks and you can listen to it. It's a proven fact people that listen or read books are happier people. And everyone wants a little bit more happiness in their life. So now let's get back to the book. Now we're going to start off right where we left off last week. We learned about some of the characters and the places in this book. And got a little bit of the backstory of the situation. So let's see what happens next. As Murtaugh led the way through the halls of the stronghold, Lord Scourge did his best to ignore the pain radiating from his wounded shoulder. Instead, he focused on his surroundings, hoping to learn more of Lord Nyrus before they came face to face. The interior architecture was typical of Sith aristocracy, a series of long, wide corridors with thick stone walls, vaulted ceilings, and countless imposing steel doors, all closed to conceal the rooms behind them. The halls were lavishly decorated in bold colors, red, black, and purple. Expensive woven rugs covered the floors, and the walls were lined with a collection of pictures, sculptures, and hollow projections worthy of any museum. Murtaugh set a quick pace, giving Scourge little time to study the works. However, Setchel, trailing a few steps behind, provided a running commentary on significant pieces as they marched past. This is a bust of the infamous warlord Ugroth. He swore fealty to Darth Nyrus a dozen years ago, when she let an Imperial force into a sector to subdue a potential uprising. This hollow projection was a gift from Queen Ressa of Drezzi to thank Darth Nyrus for her merciful treatment of the royal family when the Empire conquered their world. Her husband was executed, but the Queen and her children were spared. This portrait commemorates Darth Nyrus' victory during... Realizing he wasn't going to gain any real insight from Setchel's descriptions, Scourge tuned him out. Still, he understood and appreciated the overt display of opulence. Nyrus was a member of the Dark Council. She was one of the twelve most important and influential individuals in the Empire. The material treasures were a symbol of her own worth. A reminder to any visitors that she was a being of rank and power. Numerous sentries stood guard throughout the halls. They nodded in acknowledgement as Murtaugh passed. Such a high number of guards stationed inside the stronghold was a bit atypical, but considering the recent assassination attempts, it wasn't unexpected. Scourge wondered if Murtaugh would increase their numbers given the most recent incident, though Scourge wasn't convinced it had actually been an assassination attempt. The dark side fed on passion and raw emotion, but it was important to temper it with cold analysis and reason. 
Even as he marched to meet his new liege, Scourge's mind was trying to piece together the parts of a puzzle that didn't seem to fit. The alleged assassins had struck in the courtyard, exposing their presence while still outside the secured walls and gates of the stronghold. Even if Scourge hadn't stopped them, there was no chance they could actually have gotten inside the building to strike at Nyrus, which probably meant she wasn't their real target. He was. But who had set him up? And why? Murtaugh seemed a likely candidate. Though only a human, he had risen to a prominent rank in Nyrus's service, a position almost on par with Scourge's own newly appointed status. The first lesson Scourge had learned during his time at the Academy was that your peers could be your most dangerous rivals, force users or not. And Murtaugh had every reason to feel threatened. He had failed to find those behind the assassination attempts on his liege, Scourge's arrival was a direct challenge to his competence as security chief. What better way to eliminate a potential rival than to expose his incompetence by killing him in a staged assassination attempt? That could explain why Murtaugh refused to let Scourge in when they'd first arrived, and why Murtaugh's soldiers had killed the female mercenary just when she'd been on the verge of surrendering. However, Murtaugh wasn't Scourge's only suspect. Setchell had similar self-preserving motives. If Scourge succeeded in his mission, he would likely be rewarded with a permanent position that would surely rank above the servile Sith advisor in Darth Nyrus's hierarchy. Setchel had managed to find himself a niche in Sith society by clinging to his role as an advisor to Nyrus. It made sense to assume he would do anything in his power to remove an individual he viewed as a threat to his own position of power. Scourge had witnessed Setchel speaking to the mercenaries at the spaceport earlier. At the time, it had seemed he was shooing them away out of respect for a high-ranking Sith Lord newly arrived on the planet. Now, Scourge wondered if he had been giving them last-minute instructions. The fact that Setchel had survived the battle in the courtyard was also suspicious. It was possible he was just lucky or had the highly evolved survival skills of a true coward. But it was also possible the mercenaries had been careful not to fire anywhere near him. Murtaugh rounded another corner. The pain in Scourge's shoulder was becoming more intense as his armor rubbed against the wounded flesh. Yet he kept pace with the stocky human, refusing to show any sign of weakness. The hall came to a dead end against another imposing door. This one, closed like all the others, was flanked by Sith apprentices. He doubted Nyrus would have made the Sith answer directly to a human, so they were probably not under Murtaugh's direct command. But based on the fact that they made no move to challenge the security chief as he approached, it was clear to Scourge that Murtaugh enjoyed a privileged position in Nyrus's household. Murtaugh stepped forward and rapped his knuckles gently on the door, then took a step back and stood at attention. While they waited for an answer to the knock, Scourge realized there was the third possibility. Murtaugh and Setchel might have been working together to plan the attack in the courtyard. At the academy, lesser students would sometimes conspire together to bring down a more talented individual. It wasn't hard to imagine the same kind of thing happening outside the facility's walls as well. For the moment, it wasn't possible to know which of his theories, if any, was correct. But Scourge knew he'd have to watch his back. The door opened to reveal a young Twi'lek. She was clad in black robes, with Nyrus's four-pointed star emblazoned in purple on both the chest and back, surrounded by a red circle. A shock collar was fastened securely around her neck. But even without it, her status would have been immediately obvious simply because of her species. 
when Sith had fallen into full retreat during the last days of the Great Hyperspace War, they had taken with them a number of prisoners captured during their early victories over Republic worlds. Those prisoners, mostly humans and Twi'leks, had been condemned to a life of slavery. By the Emperor's order, no slave could ever be granted his or her freedom, and the status of the parent would be passed down to the child, generation after generation. Because of this directive, there was never any doubt about the role of any Twi'lek in the Empire. They were, and always would be, slaves, descended from ancestors too weak to save themselves from the Sith invaders. The slave bent to one knee and kept her eyes to the ground as Murtaugh, Scourge, and Setchel stepped through. Then she closed the door behind them and retreated into a corner. The well-lit room appeared to be a study or a private library. The walls were lined with shelves, their ancient wooden frames warped by the weight of the treasures they bore. Scourge couldn't help but stare and wonder at the collection. During his days at the Academy, he had seen only one physical manuscript, an ancient tome dating back more than 10,000 years to the arrival of the first dark Jedi on Dromund Kos. The book was considered a priceless artifact, one of the Academy's greatest treasures. Yet here, dozens, if not hundreds of volumes filled the shelves on the left wall. Most of the books were large and thick, their bound pages protected by covers of leather or some similarly cured hide. Though Scourge guessed that not all of them were made from skin cured from mindless beasts. They had an antiquated look about them, though most appeared to be preserved in good condition if somewhat worn from use. Obviously, Nyrus had paged through them many times. The shelves on the right wall contained reference material that looked even more ancient and delicate. Loose leaves of yellowed parchment were held in place with delicate wire clips. Rolled scrolls were encased in clear protective tubes. A hinged glass cover sheltered several books that looked as if they might crumble into dust should a strong breeze pass through the room. So let's stop right here and discuss what we just heard so far. It sounds to me that the Sith are a little bit vain. Okay, a lot vain. And Scourge is a very logical person. He takes into consideration everything in the situation. Figuring out that the assassins that attacked him were not after Nyrus, they were after him, was the first step. Now he is contemplating who did it. Was it Setchel or Mortar? Or maybe even both of them, you know, mo maybe they were both working together to try to get rid of him. But I have a feeling one way or another, we're going to find out. Another thing that caught my attention is it seems the Scourge is a little bit racist against humans. The way he talks like humans are just disgusting. And something else that caught my attention is how many books that Nyrus had. Scourge says the whole time he was in the Sith Academy, he only seen one book. She had bunches of them. And I think that they're going to come into play later on in the book. We'll have to see. But I just something that I wanted to point out. Something else that I found disturbing was the way that they treated the slaves. If you were enslaved by the Sith under the Emperor's order, you would always be a slave. And if you had kids, your kids would become slaves as well. I think that's so messed up. Like, what? The kid didn't have nothing to do with it. Why the kid got to be a slave too? I think it's just really messed up that you can't even win your freedom or you can't do anything to gain your freedom. You're just always a slave. That's just messed up. But that's what we've learned so far. Let's see what happens next. But not everything in the room was an archaic relic. On the rear wall was a large bank of holodisks and data cards. And in the center of the room was a computer workstation where a figure Scourge could only assume to be Darth Nyrus sat hunched, staring at the display monitor. The hood of her loose-fitting cowl, red accented with purple and black, was pulled up over her head. 
and the long, loose sleeves even covered her hands and fingers as she worked at the terminal. Neither Murtaugh nor Setchell made any sound to announce their presence, so Scourge took his cue from them and stood silently while Nyrus focused intently on the computer's display. Her cloaked form blocked any view of the screen, so it was impossible for him to see what she was studying. However, he thought he could hazard a guess. Darth Nyrus was well known for her proficiency in the ancient arts of Sith sorcery. During his time at the Academy, Scourge had discovered that there were many ways to draw upon the power of the Force. His natural talents had led him down the path of the warrior, learning to channel his emotions into strength and raw outbursts of lethal energy. But other students had trained with the Inquisitors, studying a very different curriculum. Millennia earlier, those who followed the Dark Side had learned to harness and shape the Force through complex rituals that could control the mind of an enemy and sometimes even warp reality itself. Much of this arcane knowledge had been lost, but those who managed to unlock even a few of the secrets of the past were often rewarded with a more subtle, though just as potent, form of power. It was rumored that the perpetual storms of Dromund Kos were the result of the Emperor performing one of these rituals. Scourge didn't know if that was true, but he knew that Nyrus had gained her place in the Dark Council through her knowledge and understanding of things he could never hope to fully grasp. After several minutes, Nyrus pushed herself away from the desk, rose from her chair, and turned to face them, pulling back the hood of her cloak as she did so. Scourge was taken aback by her appearance, though he did his best to hide his reaction. Like him, she was a pure-blooded Sith, but her face was creased with deep wrinkles, and the tendrils dangling from her cheeks and chin were withered. Her skin was pale, more pink than red, and mottled with dark brown age spots. He didn't know how old Darth Nyrus was, though he knew she had served on the Dark Council for nearly two decades. Only two other members had longer tenures. Despite this, he had been expecting someone more akin to the fiercely beautiful woman depicted in the statues of the courtyard. Instead, he was confronted with a shriveled hag. Unbidden, the words of one of the instructors at the academy leapt to the forefront of his mind. The Force can be bent to your will, but often there is a cost. The most powerful rituals of the Dark Side exact a toll few are willing to pay. Perhaps Nyrus was not really as old as she appeared. A lifetime spent delving into the ancient secrets of Sith sorcery had given her one of the highest positions in the Empire. Maybe it had also drained her of her youth and vitality. Not what you expected, Nyrus said as if reading his mind. A sly smile on her cracked and flaking lips. In contrast with her decrepit features, her voice was strong and vibrant, and she stood tall and straight. A sharp gleam in her eye further belied her venerability, leading Scourge to surmise that her appearance was intentional. There were a number of ways to stay young and beautiful. Iris could easily have afforded them had she wished to. Instead, she had chosen to let herself age prematurely. Either she didn't care about the superficiality of physical attractiveness, or she chose to flaunt the ravishing effects of the dark side as a symbol of all she had learned and accomplished. Forgive me, my lord, he said with a slight bow, employing the gender-neutral honorific used to address Sith lords of either sex. There was an incident on my arrival that has left me a little off-balance. 
I'm well aware of what transpired in the courtyard, Nyra said, tilting her wizened head in the direction of the monitor. A still image of Scourge in the first few seconds after the battle was frozen on the screen, captured by one of the stronghold's security cams. You dealt with the assassins quite efficiently. Scourge hesitated a split second before replying. He wanted to speak with Nyrus about his suspicions, but both Murtog and Setchel were in the room. Even if they hadn't been, it was dangerous to throw out unfounded accusations implicating two of her highest-ranking followers without proof. They wouldn't have been in their current positions if she didn't have some level of trust in them. I expect this will not be the last such incident, he said, choosing his words carefully. It appears you are wounded, Nyrus remarked, noticing the scorch marks on the shoulder plating of his armor. Do you need medical attention? It can wait. The injury is not serious, and the pain is irrelevant. I would rather finish our business here. Nyrus nodded in approval. I would like to hear your analysis of the attack, she continued. Perhaps we can learn something of who is behind it. That would have been easier if Murtaugh's troops had not killed the second assassin just as she was about to surrender, he replied. From the corner of his eye, he saw Murtaugh bristle, but the security chief remained silent. You think Murtaugh made a mistake? Nyrus pressed. He was somewhat overzealous in his effort to eliminate an immediate threat. Scourge answered diplomatically. Setchel stifled a high-pitched giggle, and Nyrus shot him a stern glare. Let's continue this conversation in private, she said, dismissing Murtaugh and Setchel with a wave of her hand. The two quickly bowed and turned to the door, which had already been opened by the Twilic slave, who closed the door behind them before retreating to her corner. You have something you wish to tell me, Nyrus said once they were gone. Discretion and subtlety have their place, but not when you speak to me. I expect total candor. Scourge nodded. Let me guess, she continued. You suspect my own people are behind these recent attempts on my life. No one is above suspicion, Scourge admitted. But I assume you have very thoroughly investigated everyone on your staff. If they were guilty, you probably would have discovered something by now. I'm glad to see you understand I am not completely incompetent. I do not believe the attack in the courtyard was another attempt on your life, Scourge said. I think the mercenaries were hired to eliminate me. And since Murtaugh sees you as a rival and potential threat, you naturally suspect he was behind it. Possibly. Or it may have been Setchel, or both working in concert. And what do you have to base this on? Mostly circumstantial evidence, but my instincts feel there is enough to act on. Do you expect me to turn on two of my most trusted servants based on little more than your hunch? My instincts are seldom wrong, Scourge said. My reputation is well-earned. So what is it you suggest I do? Dismissal? Execution? Suddenly the conversation felt like a test, as if Nyrus was trying to evaluate him based on his answers. If so, he was ready for the challenge. It would be foolish to throw away someone as valuable as either Murtaugh or Setchel without concrete proof, Scourge replied. 
But I would like the chance to interrogate both of them. A good interrogator can make a subject admit to anything, Nyrus countered. Even something that isn't true. Torturing a false confession out of them wouldn't serve any purpose, Scourge assured her. I need the truth, and I would be careful not to do any permanent physical or mental damage. If one or both proved to be innocent, I'm sure you would want them to be just as capable when they return to their post as they were before my questioning. A flicker of approval on Iris's face convinced Scourge he had given a satisfactory answer. However, the test was not over yet. If I did allow you to question them, who would you speak with first? Your security chief, Murtog. Why Murtog? If he's guilty, he will be easier to break. Nyrus raised an eyebrow in surprise. You think Setchel would withstand interrogation longer than Murtog? Scourge knew it sounded unlikely. A trained soldier should easily outlast a cowardly sycophant. Murtog is physically stronger, he said. But tolerance for pain is useful only against the simplest and least effective interrogation methods. There are far more subtle and effective ways to get answers. Murtog, like most soldiers, will have had training and interrogation resistance. I know these techniques, and I know how to counter them. Setchel, on the other hand, is far less predictable. On the surface, he seems weak and helpless, but he has risen to a position of rank by using cunning, creativity, and quick thinking. It will take me time to truly understand how his mind works. I will have to learn all his tricks before I can set my trap. His interrogation would be a much more involved and complicated process than Murtaugh's. Very impressive, Nyrus remarked. However, the interrogations won't be necessary. Scourge shook his head. We love bringing you more Star Wars, and it is because of our partners that we can do this week after week. So we invite you to be one of those partners. For as little as a dollar a month, you can help us keep this going. Your support will give us the ability to create future episodes, as well as provide you with the best sounding show on your playlist. And to express our appreciation, we will give you a shout out on our mid-series show that we do in the middle of every book. You will also be automatically entered in all future giveaways. All you have to do is go to the show notes and click that listener support link. Now let's get back to the show. You are right about the mercenaries, but I already know who hired them to try to kill you. Who? Me. You, Scourge exclaimed. Her admission had caught him off guard. After the second assassination attempt, Murtaugh and Setchel found a lead. I hired those mercenaries to follow up on it. But before they could, the Emperor decided to interfere, forcing me to bring you in. Your arrival left me with an excess of outside agents, so I told Setro to instruct the mercenaries to try to take you out of the picture. Consider it a test. Of course, Scourge muttered, silently cursing himself for being so short-sighted. He had originally assumed Nyrus had brought him here because she had heard of his success in his earlier postings. If that had been true, she would have had no need to reassure herself of his potential. But the truth was very different. As she herself had said, his presence here was only because of what she considered to be the Emperor's interference in her affairs. Given that, it was only logical she would want proof of his competence. If they managed to kill you, then you weren't worthy of serving me, Nyrus explained. If you killed them, then you proved that they were a waste of resources. Either way, 
I would be left with the most suitable candidate for the job. Scourge wasn't resentful over what Nyrus had done. In fact, he admired her for it. His only regret was that he had been blind to her machinations. I've spent too much time away from Drummond Kass, he grumbled. I've forgotten the ways of the Sith. That time away is what earned you this post, she reminded him. It wasn't just your success at quashing the rebels and eliminating their leaders. The Emperor chose you because he knew you had been removed from the politics of Drummond Kars and the Dark Council. You were untainted by any allegiance to a secret master who might be involved in the conspiracy against me. That made you a candidate I couldn't possibly object to. There was almost something insulting in her tone, as if Scourge's lack of political experience was a personal weakness. Perhaps it was. Nyrus had held on to her position for the past twenty years. To do so required as much cunning and intelligence as raw power. Next to her, he was little more than a naive child. The realization excited him. Now that he had survived Darth Nyrus's unexpected initiation, he would have a chance to learn at the feet of a master manipulator, providing there wasn't another attempt on her life. You said you found a lead, he said, quickly moving on to the reason he had been sent here in the first place. Something you wanted the mercenaries to follow up on. Nyrus didn't reply right away. Instead, she seemed to be studying him. You are familiar with the details of the last attempt on my life? She asked finally. One of your serving droids was replaced with a duplicate, Scourge said, recalling the details from the file. The droid was equipped with a disruptor beam. It was programmed to fire once it had a clear shot at you. But the bolt missed and struck one of your servants instead. My best chef. They still haven't found a replacement for her, Nyrus said, with what seemed like genuine remorse. The droid wiped its memory core immediately after the attempt, but Setcher was able to slice the core and salvage some of the data. Was he able to identify who programmed the droid? No. But he was able to determine where it was manufactured. A privately owned plant on Halion. Scourge recognized the name. Halion was a recently conquered world. It had been brought into the Empire's fold only in the last decade. The difficult transition from private enterprise to an imperial economy was still taking place. No doubt it would be easy to convince those who owned an asset like a droid manufacturing plant to strike back at the Empire before it seized full control of the facility. You want me to go check out the plant? Scourge guessed. I want Setchel to check out the plant, she clarified. Once inside, he can slice into their computer network to find out who arranged the purchase. I hired those mercenaries you dispatched to get him past security. That task now falls to you. When do we leave? Not for a few days. I'll send a file to your quarters to get you up to speed, and a medroid to fix up your shoulder. Scourge nodded, and Iris turned away and seated herself back at the computer, dismissing him without a word. For a moment, he simply stood there, gathering himself as he processed everything that had happened. Setchel and Murtaugh hadn't been behind the attack at the gates, but that didn't mean they weren't plotting against him. He was still an interloper, still a potential rival for the favor of their mistress. If they saw an opportunity to eliminate him, they'd surely take it. He felt a gentle tug on his elbow. Glancing down, he saw the young Twilic slave at his side. The door to the hall was already open. She ushered him out of the room in silence, 
then closed the door behind him. Satchel was waiting for him in the corridor. Lord Scourge, he said with a bow, I would be honored to escort you to your room. I promise there won't be any more ambushes on the way. There was something almost mocking in his tone. Scourge's initial impulse was to slap the insolent wretch across the mouth with the back of his hand. But he quickly realized that would be a mistake. Nyrus clearly valued Setchel over him, at least for now. He would have to prove himself to her before he could take the liberty of putting the fawning advisor in his proper place. Lead the way, he ordered. His tone was arrogant, yet inside he was feeling the first stirrings of self-doubt. His arrival on Droman Kaas had not gone as planned. Things here were not as simple as they had been at the Academy or out on the border regions. Here, even a non-Force-sensitive Sith like Setchel was held in higher esteem than he was, which meant Scourge was both expendable and vulnerable. He'd have to be very careful if he hoped to survive long enough to win Nyrus's favor. So we finally get introduced to Darth Nyrus, and she seems like a nice person, not. But we'll get back to her in a moment, because I want to talk a little bit about the way Kurz describes the Sith Academy. This is somewhere where all Force users that are Sith get trained, and some young ones get trained by the Inquisitors. Now, I don't know if you have watched Star Wars Rebels before, but if you haven't heard of the Inquisitors, let me share who they are. Okay, I'm going to read this right off of Wikipedia, so don't laugh at me if I mess up, but we'll get we'll, we'll get through it, I promise. Sith Inquisitors were a class of powerful force wielders within the reconstituted Sith Empire, operating primarily within the upper political circles. In contrast to their counterpart, the Sith Warriors, Inquisitors specialized in force abilities as opposed to martial might, and many would devote much time to researching new skills to survive the cutthroat Sith political environment. Few acolytes succeeded in becoming Inquisitors, however, those who did proved to be most determined. On the battlefield, Inquisitors were spectacular to behold, channeling vast amounts of dark side force energy to create massive storms of force lightning or draining the life force of an enemy to feed themselves or an ally. However, most Inquisitors preferred a more manipulated operating style, being masters of exploiting enemy and ally to further their own agendas. They were super bad people, and they would train a select portion of young Sith that didn't go to the academy. These were like kids that had like special force abilities and stuff like that, so they groomed them into being these Inquisitors. Now let's get back to Nyrus. She is one of the members of the Dark Council, handpicked by the Sith Emperor himself. She sounds like somebody has studied every Sith manuscript that she could get her hands on, and practiced a lot of sorcery. Scourge describes her as grotesque compared to her age. And he said sometimes that dark side of the force will destroy someone's body if they are not careful. But she wears her lifestyle on her face. When she is talking to Scourge, she sounds like she is testing him with every question. As they go through Scourge's thoughts of the assassination attempt, he says that he wants to interrogate Setchel and Murtaugh. She tells him it would be a waste of time because she is the one that hired the assassins, which is really messed up. The Emperor tells you to get help, then you try to kill the help. Ain't that like spitting in the face of the Emperor? I'm just saying. So I think that's all we have for today. We will have to see what happens in the next episode of Sway. And until then, keep your eyes on the sky. Thank you for listening to Sway. Join us next time for more Star Wars adventures. If you would like to listen to other episodes of the show, you can find us and subscribe on your favorite podcast directory. If you enjoyed the show, we would greatly appreciate a five-star review. Once again, thank you for listening, and may the Force be with you. 
Sway was created by Keen Eye Shit and is a production of Pick Film Media. This show was produced by Quentin McDaniel, sound designed by Theodore Thompson, researched by Tammy Turner. I am your host, Kyle, and we will see you next time in a galaxy far, far away.